This is Kim Davis and welcome to another DMN one-on-one. This is being recorded live at the Episerve Ascend 2019 event in Miami. And my guest to talk about all things related to content is Dean Barker, who recently was appointed Senior Director of Content Management Strategy at Episerve. It is fairly recent, isn't it? It is. Uh, this is starting my ninth week, so it's kind of a trial by fire to show up at the big global conference my ninth week working here. <laughs> Absolutely. And yet your involvement with Episerver goes back some way. So give us a bit of background on that. So 14 years ago, I co-founded a, a web development company called Blend Interactive. We were a generalized web development company, but my passion really and my, my background has been in content management. And so uh, Blend gravitated towards content management uh, when projects would come in. Um, if there were content management projects, I was more excited and incentivized to sell them. And when non-content management projects came in, less so. So we sort of gravitated towards content management. Um, and then in 2008, a man approached me at a conference in Chicago. And his name was Michael Runheim. And he told me he had uh, a CMS out of Stockholm. And they were interested in a North American partner. And would we see a demo? And he said it was called Episerver. And I said, oh, I've heard of that. And he was very surprised that I'd heard of it. And I realized later that I was confusing it with Epicentric, okay. which was a portal system years ago. So I actually had the whole thing wrong. Uh, but we saw a demo in late summer of 2008. We became Episerver's first North American partner in November 14th, or 2008. So... Um, Worked with Episerver, sold Episerver, build sites with Episerver for 11 years, and then um, through a long period in 2019, had conversations with Episerver about coming on board, and I came on board on August 26th. Okay, um, so let's dive into content. And one thing which intrigues me is content management, CMS, I'm familiar with that as, as an editor, I'm very familiar with CMS systems of all shapes and sizes. Uh, and content, they're not necessarily the same interest. You could be interested in CMS and not in content, or vice versa. But you're really passionate about both. I, I'm very passionate about content. I mean, let's, let's step away from digital completely. I'm very passionate about books. I read voraciously. I'm very passionate about documentaries. I'm very passionate about content, its ability to connect people. Um, content management is just a tool that we get there. But on the other side, you can be passionate about content management and not care about content. I maintain that content management systems... See, I'm talking fast now, Kim, because I'm <laughs> going to get excited. I talk fast. Okay. So content management systems are fundamentally containers. And you can be fascinated about building the container and not care what gets put in it. Yes. And that's kind of the developer-engineer perspective. If you're a developer, then content is just data you have to manage. But if you're on the marketing side or on the business side, then content is a business asset that provides future value. And there's really two different ways of looking at it. And people tend to segregate to one side or the other. Uh, but then there are people who kind of look at it from both directions. And I, I guess I hope I'm one of those people. Okay, so the importance of content. There's that hackneyed old phrase, content is king. Uh, it's been, that phrase has been with us a long time. People just repeat it. I don't know whether they mean it. But from your point of view, content is really fundamental way of connecting human beings. Absolutely, it's foundational. I, I had a line from my talk yesterday that content is the basic black of marketing, <laughs> right? Content is the fundamental piece of a marketing strategy and if you don't have good content, if you have uh, just uh, very, very lightweight superficial content but you have this incredible marketing strategy, well then you're, you're clickbait. Click, clickbait, then you're like the outbreak or the or outbrain or taboola, whoever those companies are that just have these chum at the bottom of, of websites. Right. 
Um, I, I think that every good marketing strategy is based on, on a foundation of good content. And I think that good content is something that helps connect people. I think we all exist in spheres of information. I have things that I know and you have things that you know. And where those two spheres overlap is the, where we can connect as people. And I believe in the power of content to connect human beings and to get deeply philosophically and passionately dramatic about it. I think that good content makes the world a better place. It informs and it's the genesis of action. It's what we use to make decisions and educate ourselves and to develop opinions and thoughts. And uh, I, I'm a huge believer in it. And I I'm interested in content management as a tool to enable that. I think there are two from what you say, two things strike me as really significant challenges today, and I'd like to take them one by one. The first is you talk about the overlapping spheres like Venn diagrams, and in your presentation yesterday, you talked about the days when everybody would watch the same TV show and then talk about it the next day because there are only three networks if you go back far enough. <laughs> We're very uh, old. We're very I, old, Kim. I, I That's can, the I problem. I remember that. But today, those overlaps seem more and more tiny because of the fragmentation of content, because of the incredible number of channels, and the almost natural tendency of people to consume what they already know about and care about. So that's changed, and isn't it more difficult than ever to establish common areas of interest? I think that's true. If you look at uh, TV viewership numbers now, there are shadows of what they were back in the 80s. Because mm -hmm. there's so many other things to do. Not only are there so many other channels, but there's so many other things to do. And so when we look at a show like The Big Bang Theory, which, I mean, has been a huge commercial success over the last decade, its numbers are fractional to, like, MASH or Cheers right. or the shows from the 80s. Uh, and so it is very true. There are a lot of different options now. But there was a fantastic book about five years ago, five, six years ago, called The Filter Bubble. Uh, which is one of my favorite books, and it talks about how personalization on the internet has made sure that we're all simply exposed to content that we already agree with. And uh, so what you said is very yeah. true. There are so many different options, but the fact is you tend to associate with people who share your opinions, and people who share your opinions often tend to be consuming the same content that you're consuming. I mean, look at my Twitter feed. It's funny because I'll see an article like in my RSS feed on Twitter and I would think, well, that looks vaguely interesting, but you don't have time to read that. And then I'll see it again like a day later. And then I'll see it two times the next day. And so my filter bubble is kind of imploding on me yeah. saying, and then I'm thinking, well, clearly this is something I should read because everybody I know is talking about it. And congratulations, I'm just a victim of like collective groupthink. So yeah, what you said there is very true. <laughs> okay. And the other challenge, and this relates to uh, episodes clients in particular, is this demand for content in marketing, good content, is accompanied by a demand for an enormous volume of content. This is especially the case when you're going down the road of segmenting your audiences. Of course, Episerver provides you know, the software to do that. You're targeting audience segments. And there's no point targeting, having the ability to target a dozen audience segments if you've only got two email templates. How do people keep up with this huge demand for content? 
unfortunately, many of them don't. And uh, five years ago, I wrote about this as well. I wrote about I, I wrote a blog post called "Content Personalization: A Reality Check," <laughs> right. and one of the lines in there was, "We're asking people to manage five versions of their content. Some people can't even manage one." And I have often believed if you are going to embark on a large-scale personalization strategy, the first thing you have to do is is triple your content creation staff. Uh, the the volumes of content and how finely you have to slice it. You can identify 12 different audiences, but can you come up with content that will be tailored to those 12 different audiences? Not only from a volume standpoint, but can you look at each piece of content and say, how do we need to modify this for audience B over audience A? Mm -hmm. Some of those slices might be very, very fine. And you know what? There may not be an angle that is going to appeal to audience B over audience A. It may not be a manpower issue. It may just be a logical, would you change an adverb or two? I mean, in practical terms, we talk about these things in theoretical terms. Like, you're going to do this and you're going to do this. When it actually gets down and a human being is staring at a screen and has their fingers on the keyboard, sometimes it's not that easy. So this is a problem. And one of the other things that is quite related to this is that in the world of content, some people have been left behind in the sense that vendors and Episerver is no exception, we're as guilty as anybody, tend to get, we tend to run and fly before people can even crawl. And we're talking to people yeah. about personalization and A-B testing and all these amazing things you do with content. And this person is looking back at us saying, look, I don't even have a content creation strategy in place. Like, I can't even manage content or create content. And so I want to bring that focus back. I want to bring that focus back to core content. The base, the foundational aspect of good marketing strategy is good core content. I believe that Episerver builds phenomenal tools for editorial workflow and the creation and the editing and the publishing of great content. And that is the foundational base of marketing strategy. If you don't have that, then maybe let's not talk about personalization or A-B testing. We're not quite there yet. Right. I'm just thinking, is artificial intelligence the panacea for this? In other words, if you're making fine distinctions between what these different audiences want to see, is that something you should just leave up to AI? Does AI do that, or does it have to be humanized? I don't think anything is the panacea for anything. First, I, I don't believe in absolutes, although I just made an absolute statement, <laughs> right? I don't believe in absolutes. I don't think there's any switch you can flip. That being said, I think when you look at things like personalization and content recommendation, AI is very much going to change that landscape because when like let's talk about content recommendation in particular like what content should we recommend that this person read that's going to move them down the line to a conversion goal um the number of audiences we have and the amount of content we have i don't think humans can scale that fast so in places like content recommendation and predictive search yes very much um, but even even if you look at content recommendation, there are people who are pushing these content recommendation systems to companies that have 50 pages of content. We, we turned on content recommendations for an organization once, and we had it hidden so it wasn't shown to the publisher. And when we say we, Kim, I have to clarify, I'm talking at Blend three months ago. Right, I've okay. been at Episode for two months. <laughs> yeah. We turned on content recommendations. This organization had about 50 pages of content. And we realized to our horror it was simply recommending the same pages over and over again because there just wasn't enough content yeah. there. So even when we talk about AI and ML in terms of content recommendation, predictive search, and all these other great technologies, you're nowhere if you don't have a great base of content. So 
I'm sounding like a broken record now, which is a metaphor that 50% of our audience won't even understand. <laughs> but uh, I, I keep coming back to the fact that without great content, you're just, that's the first step. Yeah, and that comes back to what you were saying about being prepared to scale your content creation team because if you need 50 pages of content, you need a lot more than that. Someone's got to create it. Maybe that's outsourcing. Maybe it's in-house. It's an expensive business. When I was talking to Justin Anovic, the chief product officer, he is my, my boss, when I was talking to him about coming aboard on Episerver, uh, one of the informal responsibilities that I have, my formal responsibility is the strategy of the CMS product, uh, my informal responsibilities was thought leadership and kind of content generation. And I mean, things like I did yesterday where I got up and talked about content and blog posting and things like that. I, I said to Justin, I said, the, the unglamorous reality of that is me pounding away at a keyboard for hours and hours and hours. And how can I make sure that you understand that? Because people who don't do content creation right. thinks it just happens, right? <laughs> content just appears, it just falls from the sky. It doesn't, it is a human being sitting in front of a keyboard, pulling their hair out, pounding away on keys. And I told Justin that I wanna make sure you understand that you know, four hours a day, I'm going to be pounding away at a keyboard, creating content. And he was certainly open to that, and he totally understood that. But people who don't work in content creation don't understand how much work it is. It's a lot of work. Well, I'm one person who doesn't need any convincing oh, of that. It's, it's a lot of work. I, I've, I've written two books. I've written 5,000 blog posts, probably 2 million words of content uh, on, on content management in particular. And my life has been spent in front of a keyboard. Yep. And it's just... It, you know, you write, and that first draft is terrible, and you rewrite, and you re who was it said Hemingway that writing is easy? I just sit down in front of a typewriter and open a vein, and that's how it feels like, right? You just sit down, and you're like, okay, here we go, and and like we can talk about like the classic hallmarks of writer's block where you your office is spotless because you're trying to do anything other yes. than write this content. Oh, yes. I have taken procrastination, Kim, to new levels. And and this is the eternal frustration and struggle of the writer and the content creator. And I don't think that will ever go away. I don't think that Episerver can fix that. I don't think any <laughs> CMS can fix that. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're a content creator, just know that your struggles are universal. We're getting into existential problems <laughs> here, which is probably a good place to wind up. Right? I must say that is one reason I delight in doing podcasts, because the job <laughs> is done. Thank you, Dean, for joining us. It was lovely. Thank you very much.